This is Movies, a podcast by the Active Cinema. And with me today, of course, it's Hans. Who else would it be? It's always Hans. If it was ever someone other than Hans, you should be pretty concerned. I'm probably being held at gunpoint by that person. And we are continuing our Best Films Watched special, our fourth annual Best Watched special. We left off at number seven. Hans, you were just about to tell me, what is your number seven on your list? Uh, my number seven is uh, is animated, uh, and uh, it started as an online series. It's called Interface. Oh uh, yes, I saw. I watched by, Interface in 2022. Yeah, yeah by a, a Canadian animator or artist. I guess he makes music too. His name is Justin Tomchuk or Umami. Is his artist mm-hmm. name? Uh, it's. Uh, I remember seeing a couple of the episodes, and I, I didn't know that he had edited it into like a feature. Um, but uh it's it's difficult to explain what the plot is i think it's more of a visual experience that that uh that a straight on narration um but it's it's all drawn i mean it's digital drawing but it has a very very distinctive distinctive style and weirdly humorous even though everything that's happening is is creepy and, and a little unsettling um but uh yeah it's it's on youtube in its entirety uh, entirety and uh the, the, he edited it down to to feature length i think it's almost two hours uh and uh yeah it's great it's a very enjoyable watch if you're into weird animation type of stuff the style of that is so unique and kind of perplexing to watch it was really Entertaining when I had watched it uh, as a film on YouTube. I almost bought it as a Blu-ray because he did put out a limited run of Blu-rays. And I thought, this is so different. And it's never yeah. going to receive like a proper commercial distribution release, probably, that it would be just like a cool little thing to own. So, yeah, I, I would co-sign that. That's, that's a great little piece of uh, art to check out. My – oh, you got something? Yeah, I was going to say he he started a new series called Safe Mode. I saw the first uh he puts he does like 5-minute episodes, but then the one that I saw was like 20 minutes, so I believe it's the first couple of episodes and it's also it's it's very similar style and it's just very weird and and very funny in a in a very uh different way, I guess. Uh uh, very surrealist and just a just a very interesting style of animation so i would recommend to check that safe mode too if if you enjoy the interface i have not seen safe mode i will get around to taking a look at that so i enjoy i've enjoyed everything i've seen from this guy um yeah. my number six is a takeshi kitano film kids return from 1996 have you ever seen this movie no it I don't think is... I've ever seen a Kitano movie. No, but Seriously? Real? No, none? Yeah. Wow. I don't think so. I don't think we've ever covered any. I think you've mentioned him a bunch, but I don't think we've ever covered one, so I just haven't. didn't know which one, I guess. That's insane. All right, we're going to have yeah. to do one of those shows then. I know we, we were originally planning to do a Takeshi Kitano show with Oki maybe about a year ago, and then he wanted to do Killers of the Flower Moon, which maybe we'll still do, but I, it feels like we're past that. If it becomes yeah. like an actual Oscar contender then maybe we'll we'll touch that. I'd like to get Oki on for something, though. It's been a while. There's a lot of people that have just been sitting, waiting, waiting to come back. And Oki is somebody who's overdue, 
I would definitely yeah. say. But uh, Kids Return might be Takashi Kitano's most matured piece of filmmaking. It's a, you know, he's not in the movie, he's not starring in it. And typically, when he's not in, from what I had seen from uh, some of his earlier films where he's not acting in the movie as well, I was not impressed. There's a movie called Dolls that he directed in about 1999 or 2000. He's not in that movie. It's just kind of a visual spectacle of him exploring different styles. I mean, it's hardly like a narrative movie. I didn't really respond well to that one. There's a movie called A Scene by the Sea. That is kind of okay. It's very early in his career. It's maybe his second or third movie that he directed. He's not in that one. Not, not terrific. Kids Return is about two high school students, and one is, it's the typical, one has potential, one is from, well, they both have potential, but like one is from the bad side of the tracks. They both get into, um, you know, boxing. The bad kid of the two, I guess you would call him, um, recommends, you know, hey, I'm signing up for boxing. You should sign up for boxing too. And they're both good at it, but the guy he brings in is first kind of rusty, and then he starts to outperform him as a boxer. He becomes like a really good boxer. And then the other guy falls off. And he's like, yeah, I'm not as interested anymore. You know, I, you, you're doing this better than I'm doing this. I don't, I, don't really, I don't really care anymore. And then he gets mixed up in the Yakuza. First doing like deliveries. He's like an errand boy kind of guy. One of the guys just, oh, you need a coffee? All right, let me go get coffee. You need cigarettes? Okay, I'll go get cigarettes for you. And things generally devolve for him where he gets into more trouble with the Yakuza when one of the bosses is killed. And it's kind of on this kid who he had this whole boxing career ahead of him to try and like straighten his friend out a little bit. And they reunite. It's, I don't know. It's a great movie. Um, Kids Return shot very well. It might be Takeshi Kitano's best movie. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's not my favorite of his. It's very high up there. I have a penchant for any movie where he's directing and he stars as the cool guy, cop or criminal, and they're all the same movie. They are all the same movie with like different variations. If you watch Violent Cop, if you watch Boiling Point, if you watch, there's one I'm forgetting in here, but if you get to Hanabi, Hanabi is where it crystallizes and it's like he perfects the formula. And that movie won the Golden Lion at Venice, I believe. Great, all you, all great movies, but yeah. Would you think that's his best, Hanabi? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I would say Hanabi is his best movie. No question about it. Oh, Sonatine is what I was forgetting. Sonatine is the first movie I was introduced to that he directed. And that, that feels very close to Boiling Point and Violent Cop. They're kind of a trifecta. It's really a quartet. Violent Cop. Sonatine, Boiling Point, Hanabi. It, it almost feels like a, like a continuing story of some kind, but the characters are different, the situations are different. Sonatine is like, oh no, we're in trouble. We're in trouble with the mob or something. Let's go to the beach. Let's hide out at the beach. And then it's just a beach movie for a while, you know? And then uh, Boiling Point, kind of similar. Hanabi is like, oh no, you know? Uh, I, I, I need time away from my job as a killer for the Yakuza. Let me just go away with my dying wife. 
she's dying. I'm sad. And then the Yakuza are like, we have to kill you. I mean, what are you doing, man? And then he just kills these people repeatedly while trying to spend time with his wife who's dying. And it's, it's great. It's a great movie. Uh, so yeah, that's gangster. Stuff <laughs> from this man. Yeah. And then uh, that contrast that with what he was doing like 10 years, but not even 10 years before, like six years before, which is wacky game show Takeshi's yeah. castle yeah, beat one, beat two, there, you know, and you get, you, you still get that, the, the humor in there. They're, they're funny movies. Like he's fucking a guy in one of them. Um, it's very, very funny stuff. Okay, uh, my five. It's a movie that I've mentioned before. I think when you asked about uh, about doing this episode, when and I said I only had five, I think I mentioned this movie, Red Moon, Red Moon Tide, mm. by a Portuguese director called Luis Patino. Yes, um, it's a uh, it's more of like an experience. I think it's not much of a movie. Uh, oh. I don't want to say it, it's it's similar to what uh what um no I don't want to compare it to Skinnerink because it's not it's not similar at all there's there's a lot of things that that move and happen here but it's it's such a visually interesting uh, movie I'm gonna show a little bit of it here so that we can have something for the for the Patreon uh but at least the trailer but you can get the the vibe of the movie by just seeing the type of imagery that he uses and the type of shots uh, that he uses in the movie. The story uh, is mostly told by a narrator, uh, but there's a lot of just steel shots of, of the characters uh, and very interesting framing. And it's just, a, just a, a, a nice vibe that the movie has where not a lot happens on screen, uh, but it's so well shot and every shot is so... Uh, interestingly framed mm -hmm. uh and the way how things just softly move uh definitely a movie that you have to be in a mood for something like this something more experimental something more uh narratively different i guess uh but uh yeah it's it, it, it's not what i was expecting at all from seeing the trailer the movie moves kind of slow uh, but as you can see it's it's just visually really interesting and and the story uh, gets into like witches and mermaids and and uh, there's a murder there so uh, it's very just very different and it, it caught my my attention for I think the runtime is close to two hours uh, but it's it's just yeah more of more of a I wish I could see this in the theory because it's more of a visual experience than than an actual you know movie with with dialogue and a lot, a lot of uh, uh, performances it's just very very slow and very visually interesting as you saw there on the trailer Wow, a slow two-hour movie is Hans's recommendation here. So that says a lot. Uh, it looks great. I liked all the compositions that were featured in that trailer, and it really does set a vibe. So I'm I'm gonna take a look at that. Um, it completely slipped below the radar for me. I hadn't even heard of it until you brought it up. Yeah. Well, that's uh that 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 looks terrific. Um, my number five is a movie by Arthur Penn. I had watched this one time before, didn't really connect with it, even though I know a lot of the people that listen to this show and we've had on this show have talked it up, talked it to death. Night Moves from 1975, starring Gene Hackman as a private investigator who's getting cucked. 
So uh, this this movie is actually quite enjoyable. He's investigating. Uh, so I'll read the synopsis here for those who are uninitiated. Private detective and former football player Harry Mosby gets hired onto what seems a standard missing person case as a former Hollywood actress whose only major role came thanks to being married to a studio mogul wants Mosby to find and return the daughter. Uh, Harry travels to Florida to find her, but he begins to see a connection between a runaway girl, the world of Hollywood stuntmen, and a suspicious mechanic when an unsolved murder comes to light. And uh, it's very interesting, this movie, how it unfolds. It has a performance from young James Woods in it as well. He's very good in the film. This movie's been talked about a lot. Um, Arthur Penn is certainly a director who deserves deserves to be spoken of in the same sentence of a lot of the Hollywood mavericks from the 1970s. He directed Bonnie and Clyde, um, The Missouri Breaks, which was a weird movie I checked out earlier this year. I don't know if it was good or bad, personally speaking, but it was cool to see Jack Nicholson and Marlon Brando share the screen together. Uh, probably wasn't my cup of tea overall. But uh, yeah, no, I would say Night Moves is one of the great private detective films, certainly of the late 20th century, and one I would highly recommend. So that's my number five. Okay, I haven't I haven't seen it, but I think yeah, like you said, I feel like a lot of people have mentioned it, uh, and it just looks like one of those 70s movies that uh, I I really enjoy how in the 70s uh, to be a lead actor you didn't have to be conventionally handsome. You can just be someone that looks like they're wearing a hairpiece because their hair is so shitty and they're not really in the greatest of shape. They just mm. look kind of tired, kind of like a kind of like a, a older stepdad vibe, uh, uh, Millhouse's dad vibe <laughs> for, for the lead characters. And that's that's who you follow through the movie. I don't think we have enough of that on on modern movies. So I'll, I'll definitely be checking that one out. I love movies from around that time especially when he has all the, all of those elements it's one of those um, movies i feel like the 1970s in particular maybe it's just like the color palette of a lot of these films but the vibe feels very wood paneled home that smells like cigarettes and cat piss yeah you know we don't have enough of that either i, I i'd like to see that brought back but i mean minimalism and scaling down the style of everything in the United States and the Western world, trying to just make everything white walls all the time, boring fucking white walls. There's not enough wallpaper, you know, I, and the architecture sucks now is a direct, you know, cause and result of a lot of these movies having less character and less personality in a sort of uh, covert, you know, an indirect way. Yeah. Anyway, number four for me. Uh, it's this movie from Finland called Shadows in Paradise from 1986. Uh, it's uh Hold on, you're comedy. watching Finnish movies from 1986 now? Shadows in Paradise? <laughs> I saw it on, on the Costa Rican theater. Uh, and I was like, this looks... I've never seen a movie from Finland. Let's check this out. And it's just a, a romantic comedy about... Losers, pretty much. A, a Finnish that... romantic comedy from 1986 <laughs> is your number four. Can we look at a poster for this yes. or something? Yeah, yeah. Let me pull it out. It's uh, it's very depressing and and very anti-American romantic comedy because there's nothing flashy. There's nothing. These people are are very down in their luck, very unsuccessful, 
uh, and uh, kind of unlikable, uh, but for whatever reason, uh, you can stop watching their interactions and how they try to get out of, of the misery and loneliness that it is their lives, but uh, no one's like a good redeemable person. No one's uh, likable or, or full of, of personality or has anything interesting going on. Uh, so it's just people that are just down in their luck, uh, trying to look over whatever the other person, these are the two main characters, uh, has going and just kind of have a connection with someone, even though their lives are very mundane and, and boring. Uh, I don't know if I'm doing a great job at selling it because it's actually really funny, uh, but uh, it's it was completely unexpected. Again, uh, it was one of those days where I was just going through the list of movies that were available and I was like, oh, this... This guy with a mustache looks interesting, and then it has really good reviews. And I saw a couple of comments from people that that says that it feels kind of like a, a an anti romantic comedy or like a romantic comedy without all the flash or the the you know the cliches that you expect. Mm -hmm. uh, and it yeah it worked. Uh, now, how is really the Armand Asante remake here on the uh, the left with the shadows and par? See the guns. What is that one about? You sure you didn't confuse yeah, this one with that one, and that's your? This is your number six, your number four. No, I don't know what the fuck this is. Twenty ten, Mark wow. Dacascos, Tom Sizemore, Armand Asante. Well, that looks like one of those, you know, just an ex-soldier type of movie where you get people that used to be. Yeah, no, it doesn't even come up. Wow. Twenty ten. Okay. I mean, I, I, I kind of, it seems pretty stripped down in terms of what is, uh, did they remake it or something? Uh, in terms of like the stills that are available from this movie, because it's just them yeah. on the beach and then them in a room. But I, I like the reds in one of these shots of them outside of a cafe or bar. And that's what I'm noticing. I, I The more I get into um, like the science of color grading, is you you have a hard time replicating how red looks on film you for, red in particular has a very distinct kind of look in terms of how it pops when it's shot in film compared to how it's shot in digital yeah so as you can see it's just a bunch of just ugly people done in their life <laughs> uh but it's great it's it's weird because i guess I'm, i've never been exposed to the type of humor that people in that side of the world likes and it's it's just very very cynic and very negative like there's no uh oh i can't wait for for my life to turn and, and become you know amazing no this guy's just a, a trash guy uh, he picks up trash and his life sucks he has a shitty car and then he likes going to that bar where the what are those called it's, they're not called bars they're called like uh, it's a different word for it. But, what, uh, gastropub? No, like, uh, fuck. Uh, hall? Is it hall? Uh, something hall? Uh, dance hall. Anyway, uh, as you can see, it's just very just regular-looking people uh, with very regular problems and just... I don't know. I'm, I'm doing a horrible, <laughs> horrible job at selling it, but again, it's just... Uh, not what you expect from a romantic comedy, and, I, and it has very weird um, 80s Soviet feeling to it because all the houses that it live in are kind of small and shitty, and it's just very working class people that 
are never expecting their lives to get better, just kind of accepting the the reality of of what their lives are. And uh, it's, it's very good, very enjoyable. I, I am actually definitely going to check this out based off of the little I've seen from this trailer. Because it ha I think I, there's something charming about early to mid-80s Europe and European towns. Yeah. You see it in Angst. You see it in Vim Vendor's mm -hmm. films like The American Friend, where it just seems very small-scale, quiet, cold, depressing, but not yeah. too depressing. Just essentially what you had said, just people who have given up hope you know yeah just accepting so, this is where we live this is what's there and uh no no hope for anything to get better just kind of surviving mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. my number four is a 1968 film from frank perry it is the swimmer the swimmer is not a movie we've covered on the show before um it is a movie starring burt lancaster is a very delusional man who decides he's going to swim across town through everybody's swimming pool and he is a guy with a lot. I have known a lot of this type of character where he's just like, you know, I'm I'm going to go do a thing. And then everyone, because he's jumping into people's swimming pools, but he like knows a lot of the people too. And so they're like, oh, hey, the ca the character's name is um, Ned. Uh, you know, he's, he starts off by visiting a group of friends and he's like very touchy feely with the guy's wife. You know, and that's the first indicator, you know, he's kind of, uh, you know, he's kind of a playboy, I guess. This The 60s, right? This movie? Yeah. yeah. He's very swingery, you know, yeah. and he's he's very touchy-feely. And it's like old 38-year-olds, 38-year-olds who look like they're 55, you know. So he's doing that sort of thing. And then he's like, yes, I'll, I'll swim across the town in everyone's swimming pool. And then you get to know him better through all of his interactions with the people that he's talking to he's like ah yes i'm swimming across town and they're like so how are your wife and kids and then he's just like Fuck. And then he dives <laughs> into the pool and he gets away you know he's off he's like he won't talk about it and you find out it's because the wife left him the kids want nothing to do with them and he goes home to a mansion that's empty and it's like dude you're just like lying to yourself and trying to prove something by doing this and I don't know. It's a weird film. It's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous movie, too. It's shot so well. Um, and I it's watched it on Tubi. In, yeah. Sixes in Shape, which is that? Just very uh, a very clean Eastwood physique. Yeah, this is a 25-year-old man. Yeah. So, uh, the Swimmer is great. The Swimmer is kind of awesome. It, you know, I watched it maybe back in November or December. It was on Tubi. And it was immediately followed up. Tubi has, like, Obviously, Tubi's got some great films, but it followed it up with another movie that was pretty good, too, about, like, Gene Hackman trying to prove something to his father, and he's a musician. I forget the title, but anyway, The Swimmer's my number four. Again, visually stunning film, shot very well, very interesting. I highly, highly recommend The Swimmer. Was it Cr Criterion that released it? I remember seeing commercials of this, of, of a release of this movie, but I, I don't remember who was the company that put it out. Uh, no, Criterion d did not get the rights to The Swimmer. I think it was put out by, not Arrow, but like Shout Factory, one, some Shout, boutique yeah, distributor like I that. Really, really by the way, Criterion fucked up another movie. I, I'm, maybe you saw it on my timeline. I checked out the Blu-ray.com review for Train Spotting, 
And now I no longer believe that this is simply like a director's, you know, director's tampering. I mean, maybe it is, but I, I, it's happened too many times with Criterion specifically for me to totally buy that. Train spotting has been turned green. Train spotting is now seafoam green. It was never this color. It was never these tones. Train spotting is not like, like, it's not a super warm movie, but there is a lot of warmth to many of the frames of the film. And this frame was not blue and green. And they keep what doing do that. Think, yeah, what do you think they're doing that? I don't know. Whoever is working for them and doing color grading and, you know, we're going to remaster. We're going to do, do the colors the way you want. I find it so hard to believe that um, Wong Kar Wai, Bong Joon-ho, and now Danny Boyle are like, yeah, this movie looked one way. Let's turn it green. So I don't know what the fuck they're doing over there. I mean, it, look, it doesn't look terrible or anything like that, but the character of the movie changes when you go from warm tones to cool tones. It makes it feel a little bit different. And also the special features on this thing are all the same from what I had seen on the Miramax release of this movie or the Universal release of this movie when it was put on Blu-ray back in like 2009. And those special features were the same from when they put it on DVD in 2002. So they, they're not doing anything. What, you just changed the box and ruined the fucking color of the movie and you <laughs> want me to spend $35 on that because it's 4K? I, I, I mean, you're really testing me. I was looking forward to this. I, I, I'd been hoping for a train spotting criteria release for 10, 15 years. And now I'm like, do I even want that? If I buy it, then I'm going to buy it for the box art. And that seems like a waste. Yeah, especially since you're familiar with it. And it's going to be very jarring when things like that happen. Yeah, I have, I have the videotape of it. I have the DVD of it. I have the Blu-ray of it. It's one of my favorite movies. And now you want me to buy this and it's fucking, it looks like that. I mean, again, that doesn't look bad. But I'll tell you what, if you have like a warm shot or a cool shot and then you change the color tone and it's dark, if it's not particularly well lit, guess what you're going to do? You're going to fuck with the the grain and you're going to fuck with the clarity of certain parts of the image and it's going to change. It's either going to be less clear or you know, you're, you're tampering with a lot more than you think you're tampering with, especially if it's not the original film negatives. You know, if you're dealing with the original film negatives, maybe that's one thing. But if you're doing, here's a, a master copy for DVD from 2002 and it's an MP4 or whatever the fuck it is, you're ruining the movie. So I'm not happy about that at all. Anyway, that was my number four, The Swimmer. Okay, uh, my number three is a, another movie that I don't remember if I mentioned on the show, but I, I mentioned it to you and I, I recommended it to you. It's a movie called The Dark Backward. By, directed by Adam Rifkin from 1991. Adam Rifkin, wow. Uh, no, no, I don't think you've brought this movie up before. I I, I texted you about it, but I, I don't think uh, I brought it into the show. Uh, it stars Judd Le Nelson, Bill Paxton, and uh, a very deranged performance from James Caan as a doctor. Uh, and it's a, a movie about a stand-up comedian that is horrendously unfunny, played by a very sweaty Judd Nelson. Uh, and the movie, it, it's very '90s in the sense of uh, it feels very much like a like a response to uh, MTV um, culture of around the time, where everything is very gross. <laughs> There's a lot of I'm going to show you a, a scene here where James Khan appears. 
Uh, but it's very the way that it's shot, the angles that are used, the colors, and the things that they decide to shoot on or, or to show on camera. It's just a very gross looking movie where everything's just sticky and dirty. Uh, and at some point, the stand up comedian grows, starts growing an arm uh, on his back. So his selling point starts being that he has an arm growing out of his back. Uh, and then right before he starts getting famous, the arm just falls off and he's just not there anymore. Uh, so it's a, it's a very, let me just play. Seems kind of a little bit because he's, he goes all out. This seems like a very unusual movie for James Conde to have done during this time. Yeah, in, in 1990, and and uh, there's not really much. Uh, see, that's that's how it starts, mm -hmm. and then uh, an arm starts coming out of it. But everyone puts up with just a very uh, a great performance. Bill, Bill Paxson is his uh, body that's just disgusting. That. Uh, eats uh, at one point starts eating rotten chicken in front of him and, and he he's like surrounded by trash all the time but the movie has a very weird gross feel to it that it's it's very much of of this time i feel like and uh i've never heard of this movie before uh i discovered it by uh someone talking about it on, on letterbox and but i was uh, very surprised by how much i liked everything that has going on let me just show you some of other scenes where where you can see how everything is very claustrophobic and feels very dirty mm -hmm. uh, but it but it uses a lot of very contrasty colors and it's just very interesting visually but again it, it kind of takes me back to to movies from around that time where they were more willing to to be creative with angles and and the lenses that we use there's some some close-up shots like this that are just feel very in your face uh, and everyone gives a, a, a very good performance. Uh, oh yeah, they're they're into uh, fat women. <laughs> so it's it's very weird. Very again, another movie that just feels. I mean, it is from a different time, but 1990 doesn't really feel like it's that far away from from now. But it's very much a, a 1990s, uh, you know, a Beavis and Butthead type of of movie. Yeah, that this reminds me of Joe's Apartment or something like that, or yeah. Frankenhooker, you know, that type yeah. of era of gross, ew filmmaking. So uh, I added this to my watch list while you were playing clips here. So I'm going to check this out. Judd Nelson it's... also as a nerd is very off type for the cool, badass guy. And man, yeah. he had a really scrawny, unflattering body in that shot of him getting a checkup. And every attempt that let me see if I can find well the whole movie's on on YouTube I believe, uh, but you can also get it in the Costa Rican theater, mm -hmm. uh, and but yeah ev everything has to do with his comedy he just wants to be a, a famous comedian, and at one point he has to deal with a an agent that's just shitty to him because he's very unfunny and things will start turning around until the arm starts growing on his back but yeah very very nineties very. Uh, 90s MTV culture type of thing uh, and uh, I recommend it uh, for anyone to, to watch it has a stacked cast there's yeah. uh, Lara Flynn Boyle Billy Bob Thornton Rob Lowe yeah. 
you failed to mention Wayne Newton. He's right on the poster art. Man, I'm surprised he got in there over Rob Lowe or James Kahn even. They put Wayne Newton, his face, before. That's pretty wild. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, wow. All right. So number three for me is a movie we've covered on the show before, so I'll keep it brief, but it is Song of the South, the Disney movie. So there you go. Song of the South. Number three. Great children's film. Show it to all your children. I, I agree with it. Love that movie. Zippity doodah, zippity a. Uh, yeah. What is what is your next film? I was gonna add that to my list actually, but I thought two animated movies, my top ten. I don't know. Maybe that that would be my eleventh. Maybe uh, my number two is a movie that we talked about very early in the year, uh, but ended up uh, creeping in here because uh, of how great of a movie it is. Another John Borman movie. It's Deliverance. Ooh, nice. Uh, as uh, I believe we did an episode on it, if I'm not mistaken. No, or, or no, no. We, I, don't, another... I don't believe we ever covered Deliverance on this show. No, we've never talked about Deliverance. Okay. Well, it's a classic 1970s movie uh, with very strong performances, with a squ classic squeal like a pig scene that's very memorable. Uh, and it's just, uh, it's got a very... Um, southern dirty aesthetic to it that kind of functions as a, a, a different character because of everything they have to deal with in the in the wilderness and it has the famous banjo scene the banjo dueling scene uh and i, I think it's been um referenced a lot in a lot of modern movies um but uh I had not seen it in a long time and I saw it this year and it's just, it's still very enjoyable. Again, very much of the time, very, very simple, uh, not much to the story, but the performances definitely uh, carry the movie and, and uh, it's just, yeah, great all around. John Borman is a fantastic director and Deliverance is probably the best movie that he helmed. And I watched that for the first time in 2021, I want to say, and I was deeply impressed with it and also the trajectory it takes where John Voight is this sort of uh, reluctant hero of the movie. You mm -hmm. have Burt Reynolds in it without his trademark mustache yeah. being, uh, you know, taken, taken down for the count. And he's basically just like, he's kind of pathetic in the movie. You know, he's such a hard guy. And then he's just like, I, I can't, I don't want to do it. I don't want, I'm done. <laughs> you know? And uh, Ned Beatty, obviously being yeah. fucked up the ass that's just <laughs> very vulgar very by rednecks yeah stuff. yeah yeah uh and then it's just everybody's secret everybody's secret he got raped and that they killed one of the rednecks you know that that's a that's an <laughs> awesome movie deliverance we should cover yeah. that we should do a john borman retrospective at some point his filmography is so diverse and eclectic in terms of the genres that he delved into because he does that he does exorcist 2 he does excalibur there's so much to John Borman's filmography that deserves another look. Um, Especially because of uh, how, I don't want to say shitty, but shitty this year seems to be for, for everything that's been coming out in the next couple of months. So I think a uh, retrospective on, on an actual great director would be a, a better episode to do than covering, I don't know. What's, what is Megan what, 2 coming out next month? <laughs> What sequel? Because I feel like that's most of the things that are coming out this year, just sequels to other things. And it's just, man, who cares? No, I'm I'm all set. Uh, you know, the start of the year is always a rough period of time for movies. Nobody is holding on to their 
nobody's nobody's dumping their best in January because by the time December comes around, people are evaluating the year in film. They kind of forget that that movie even came out. So I understand yeah. why the studios would hold off until at least summertime or uh, third or fourth quarter before dropping the good stuff. But I mean, we're gonna get we're gonna get some interesting movies this year for certain. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be a matter of, all right, what's the first one to break through? What is the one that's not on any of these lists that nobody knows about, that nobody's paying attention to, that's going to really stun people? It's Mass State Lottery. That's yeah. that's my prediction. <laughs> I hope. Um, my number two is another movie we've already covered on this show before, and there might be some controversy with my number one. I don't know. But my number two is Caligula. Which I was wrong about. I corrected you on Babang or the last yeah. episode of movies. You're like, uh, Caligula was going to be on my list for the 10 best. I was like, that was 2022. And then I looked at my list of the best films or just films watched in 2023. Caligula was on the list. I was like, really? That wasn't two years ago? Okay. All right. My mistake. <laughs> and the episode did come out in spring of 2023. So Caligula was really kind of a mind-blowing film in terms of them swinging for the fences at everything. And Malcolm McDowell's performance is something really fun and remarkable and evil. You know, he kind of reminds me of like Milo Yiannopoulos or one of these, one of these new school fucking weird evil creeps that just loves power and it's all transparently ego, you know, and the things that he does to people, you know, it's really crazy to watch unfold in the film. And then there's the whole making of the movie, which is in itself a story that you know could be extrapolated into a film on its own, of Bob Guccione tricking Tinto Brass and Tinto Brass not having this reputation for being a, an exploitation director just yet, but kind of being forced into that mold as a result of this movie, not even by his own decisions, but because of what Guccione was doing. Guccione owned Penthouse at the time, and he was paying for the movie. He wanted to do essentially the world's first like classy epic porn film porn, yeah bob guccione I'm surprised said, it, is there it, no documentary about that uh there's there's some documentaries that were produced by arrow because there was a i think there was a 4k release of caligula mm. but not on that subject no there's a book that i think was written uh maybe in the 80s or something i i don't know i, I mean it would it's going to be covered somewhere, but there's so much to delve into this movie and how it was made. The um, the screenwriter, or rather the, uh, the the story in the original script originated from Gore Vidal, and I think he might have talked about it somewhere because he was kind of the first one pushed out of the process. There was this dogfight mm-hmm. between Bob Guccione, Tinto Brass, and Gore Vidal for whose vision would reign supreme and they all had different visions of what this thing would be so tinto brass thought he was making like a straightforward caligula film and the cast thought that too except i think maybe malcolm mcdowell might have been kind of in the know but how they got somebody like a classic classic actor like peter o'toole involved in this he did not know that they were shooting fucking there's no way he knew (laughs) that uh teresa ansevoy john gilgood um, you know, all these Helen Mirren, but she wasn't Helen Mirren like we know her just yet, you yeah. know, but they would never have signed up for 
what this movie actually was if they had known. So the story is Tinto Brass was shooting all day, doing you know the, the serious scenes, and then Bob Guccione was like, hey, listen, uh, we're going to borrow the cinematographer. We're shooting two films at once. We're going to get some B-roll for that next movie when we pick up uh, principal photography in a couple of months. So we're just cutting corners here. Don't worry. You go to bed, Tinto. You have a, you have a good night. And then they would just bring in all these penthouse playmates and be like, all right, lay down. You're going to get fucked. All right, zoom in on the bush. <laughs> zoom in on the balls. Get this guy's asshole a close-up. And it creates one of the most unique films ever made. And it's it's shot well. The performances are good. Yeah. It's a fun it's movie. It's beautiful, yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful it, movie with it's, very funny scenes, too. Yes. There's a couple of very funny beheadings that you don't expect, but there's one where someone's head is just rebounded onto a step, and it's hilarious. Uh, the baby, yeah, remember the baby at the end, the way that that goes down. That's they kill yeah. Caligula and his family because they have to end the bloodline and take over. It's it's a wild movie and yeah. should be watched by most people, not everyone, but most people for certain. What he does, yeah. he he takes the virginity of the man's wife on their wedding day, and then he takes his anal virginity. He just fucks yeah. everything. He fucks his horse. He goes to bed and sleeps next to his horse, like they're lovers you know it's it's such a fun movie there's a new version of caligula that premiered in 2023 and will be released this year and it's a corrected version and i was originally excited about this movie because i was like there's an hour or so of scripted material that was cut from what gore vidal's version was so bob guccione could fill in a lot of the obscenity and over-the-top moments what is this going to look like and they recovered even dialogue the same way that i recovered dialogue from mass state lottery which is using ai technology mm -hmm. and uh, the new color grade the restoration looked pretty dope but then i read a review either in the hollywood reporter or variety and they're like this removed all the character that the movie had by getting rid of these sex scenes now it's just mm -hmm. kind of a longer more boring Caligula film. And it's like, why would you, I mean, I understand why you might do that, but it's that Jurassic Park quote of, did you stop to think if you should do that, you know? Yeah. And it's like, all right, yeah. so you- It's known for that, right? Yes. It's known for being so outrageous and so out there that if you remove that, it's just a long, movie about a guy that's kind of mean i guess if you remove oh like, he's pretty mean. That he does. I mean, he's an egomaniac i think the guccione movie accurately reflects exactly what Calig and i say this as someone who is not alive when caligula was yeah. alive so i would know uh but accurately but, but reflects I mean, who this, caligula was i mean this corrected version if you remove all of the wild stuff that happens or all of the i guess porn parts of it it it's just not going to hit the same way. I think that part of the appeal no. of it is that it's so graphic and it, you get a great idea of one of the range piece of shit he was because of that. If you take that out, then I don't know. It's just kind of, do you really own a, a three hour movie that it could just be, I don't know, Alexander or. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you're, you're succumbing to all of the modern impulses that are not going to be favorable, which is make it sexless and make it long. Yeah. You know, that's not Why? that's not great for what this movie started out as or ever was. So I don't know. I'll, I'll watch that when I get around to um, seeing 
it on streaming or something you know i don't i don't know how it's going to be released or how you would even begin to release a film like that but um i don't know i'm i'm curious but my expectations are are low so i think we're at our number one choices now yeah uh my number one is a movie that uh it's well hold on before you reveal your number one let me just say People should go sign up at patreon.com slash lowres and sign up in the five dollar tier because maybe I'll just kill the episode right now. Maybe I'll just cut this off and make it patrons only. I could do that. I could absolutely do that. None of you could stop me. None of you longtime listeners or the new listeners who have been hopping in every month. You know, sign it, listen, we need more patrons. So sign up over on patreon.com slash lowres, five dollar tier. We have exclusive video episodes that you will never see anywhere except for that $5 tier. We've got bonus episodes in there. We've got early drops. Everybody on Patreon gets to hear this episode and every episode before anyone in the Spotify or Apple podcast feed. Same with Babang. Everything that Hans and I produce is over on Patreon a week or weeks before it ever drops publicly. And know that your contribution is also funding whatever stuff we do in the future filming wise or uh, any any type of producing stuff so that also helps uh for that yes so absolutely seeing yeah things that we're we have in the docket that's the best way of, of supporting the the program and make sure that we we end up doing it yes I, exactly it makes things a lot hell of a lot easier and the flow of things a bit more fluid than if we were to just like all right well Hans has to get a second job. I got to go get a day job. Uh, that's all right. So we're going to reduce the movies episodes to one a month. Cool. You know, yeah, you know, nobody wants that to happen. Uh, so head on over there. $5, $10 if you're feeling super generous. I, I put out like top secret information to people who pay $10, $20. I will write little vlog, like uh, little blog entries where I'm just like giving the internal dynamics on things that I should not be revealing. But you know, it's such a small elite tier of people that pay higher amounts of money that you're entitled to that information and know how things are actually working, not just the cleaned up, everything's great version, you know? So you will get a little bit of that. And we still have that thing going that for 50, we'll watch the movie that you want us to talk about, right? Just had, yeah, so okay, here's what I'm actually thinking about doing, because I thought of this only yesterday. My thinking was we make it $100 on Patreon and you can sign up for one month, one month, and then go back down to $5 and we'll still count it. And for that month, you will see an episode of your choosing come to fruition. Simple as that. Yeah. Okay. You do that. You do the $100 tier on Patreon, which I have yet to build. I have yet to do this. This is in real time. We're figuring this out on this show. And you can pick the movie, and that'll be a whole episode. It'll at least be one hour long. I can't promise that we're going to talk about it for the majority of the hour, because if you're a fan of this show, if you listen to this show, you know any movie we talk about is probably like a third to half of the show mm-hmm. on average. Sometimes it's hardly brought up, but we'll, gi- we'll gi- give you your money's worth, okay? Yeah. You, will, you will not feel disappointed, okay? And if, if we've, we fall into the trap of talking about other things, guess what? I'm going to realize that and I'm going to say, Hans, let's, let's do another episode and you'll get two episodes on your topic of choosing. So 
head on over to patreon.com slash lowres five dollar tier hundred dollar tier if you want to hear an episode on a movie of your choosing and we'll get burning on that so without further ado okay so my number one is a movie that uh i well we we also did an episode on it um but i uh, had not seen it until this year i don't really have a reason why because it's a very famous movie that a lot of film people talk about uh but it's a uh, common c from 1985 wow okay is, yeah possibly the best uh war movie ever made um was that this was it, did we do the show with jerry in 2023 i'm pretty sure yeah the, I, I was checking with my review for it uh was and i believe it was early in the year yeah, I think you're right. Mistaken. Um, but it's it's a movie that I think is very difficult to describe because you kind of have to see it. Uh, the the feeling that the movie gives you, uh, the performances, everything that happens, the way that it's shot, the even the ratio, uh, that the movie is shot in, and it's it's one of the most heartbreaking war movies and and rough and just it really shows you what i'm assuming war is like in real life or being in the trenches and and suffering through what surviving a war is as a child uh and how it ends up destroying him pretty much and and the performances are amazing especially from what's his name i'm not gonna remember his the actor's name but uh it's uh yeah it's a masterpiece masterpiece of, of war filmmaking and and it's one that i had not checked until this year and i was uh very impressed by it and uh yeah i think it's from at least from from what i've seen possibly the best war time movie ever made i completely second everything that you had said there um you know you're you know come and see is one of the best films ever made and it's one of these movies that you know, on Letterboxd, I think it's the number two best film or highest ranked film of the 250, something like that. It's a, it's a really devastating movie to be able to watch. And uh, it is a unique experience in terms of uh, watching any film. I completely agree with you that it's the best film uh, about war that has been made. And I would highly recommend it. It's a terrific selection for number one best watched in 2023. So um, my number one is maybe not a theatrically released film. Oh, might not okay. even be a movie if I'm if I'm being honest with you. It depends on how you define movie. You know, what, what, what have I said in the past? I've said, you know, when I think about True Detective season one, I think back to it and it's a movie in my head. Well, I think it's kind of a movie, what I'm about to present here, in that, you know, it's a miniseries. It's not a TV show, but I guess it is a TV show. I think I know where show. you're going. What, do you, what is it? What's you're... my number one? The, the Idol? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, that would be a 2023, technically. That was a 2023 show, so that would have been oh, on my right. list of mm, best films right. of 2023. Um, okay. No, it's Roots, 1977. Uh, Alex Haley's miniseries based on his book about his family uh somewhat fictionalized somewhat true roots you know is is 
really this enormous masterpiece of a miniseries in how much ground it covers and how it's able to transition from one protagonist or one lead actor playing a protagonist to another and going through like a hundred years of a family's history and how that evolves and all the bad things that happen and the good things that happen and how the attitudes and the intelligence and all these different things change with time. I've never seen anything like it before. And for a television miniseries especially, it is, you know, it, it, it was considered a big groundbreaking piece of art in the late 20th century. And it's not something that's really discussed or talked about anymore. I remember they used to show it in classrooms. It, they never showed it in my classroom. The first time I ever watched it was this past year. I picked up a VHS box set of it. You had to buy nine tapes, eight tapes or something like that. And people were just trying to get rid of the tapes. It was like $4 for that many tapes. It was a great deal. But now it's taken up so much room in my shelf. I got to get rid of these tapes. But Roots is, um, you know, I think it's probably most known for starring LeVar Burton as the young Kunta Kinte. And not that Roots. Absolutely <laughs> not. No. This piece of shit series from 2016 it was a reaction to Trump or something. No, not that roots. And that's that they did that whole marketing campaign for like anti-Asian hate or something. It was scribbled yeah. on some fucking dumb Chinese bitch's face. Anyway, Route 77. If you dedicate the nine or ten hours, however long this, this series is, it's extremely rewarding to see the abduction of these slaves from Africa brought into the South and how it takes several generations to be able to overcome slavery and get out of there and find freedom. It is such a great piece of work. There's a sequel series as well called um, Roots, Next the, the Next Generation. Not as good, not as good, but it is still okay, you know, and Marlon Brando pops up in that. He plays a member of the American, not like the leader of the American Nazi party. And he's like, well, James Earl Jones, I mean, you're one of your ancestors was raped by a white man. You have white genes in you. That's why you're intelligent. And James Earl Jones is just like, hmm, I see. Okay. <laughs> and he plays Alex Haley, the author of the book Roots. So it kind of gets a little indulgent. And then uh, there is a, a feature. There's a proper film called Roots the Gift, which was, a, I think it was a TV movie. I have that as yeah. well. Um, that's also not as good, and it's very dark. I think I talked about that briefly around Christmas. It's a Christmas movie where a free black man comes back to the South to just do something. He's traveling through, and they're like, oh, you're black. Let me see your papers. Okay, and then they rip up the papers. You were trying to release these slaves. Get the fuck in the barn. You know, it's just like, why would you ever go back to this? Why would you do that? Yeah. Why would you risk? <laughs> oh, my God. So frustrating. And then they kill him. They kill him for it. For something he didn't do. It's crazy. It's so crazy. Isn't that what 12 Years a Slave is? Pretty much? Yes. Actually, yes. 12 Years a Slave. It's a free man going to the South, and then he's captured and thrown in. Yeah. Like, why, why do you speak like that? Why are you trying to sound like us? It's like, well, he was just he was raised in, like, Massachusetts or somewhere. Yeah. yeah, he's from New York. Mm -hmm. So Roots is my number one pick. And look, I understand if there's people out there like, that's not a movie. 
All right, then consider Caligula the number one. But it's Roots. Roots is my pick. So that concludes our best films watched in 2023. And I have added some new movies to my letterbox because of your list here. I will say, uh, you know, for the people complaining, oh, Hans doesn't even watch the movies from 2023. You know, uh, you make up for it with this list, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, and I've I've seen that complaint in a couple of uh, videos, and it's just as simple as I don't have access to them. It's not that I don't want, I've been dying to watch Godzilla Minus One. I still can't find a decent copy. I don't want to, I don't want to see it with the, the guy that's with a blender shaking money or whatever in the middle of the movie as an ad that you can't skip. And also, it's a movie that, you know, I don't want to cam rip. I made the mistake with Elvis uh, last year or the year before. So I'm just, you know, all the the big movies that I haven't talked about is just because I haven't been able to see it. Um, that Emma Stone movie is just started playing here. So I'm going to be seeing Poor that things. in the next couple of yeah, I, I will be seeing that in the next couple of days, but it's mostly because of that. I live in a third world country where we get movies late, and if they're not like a big studio movie, it's very difficult to find them in theaters here. Uh, and if I'm not able to find a decent copy online, then I'd rather just wait. So it's not that I'm avoiding them. It's just that I don't have access and I don't want to watch, uh, you know, shitty quality copy of it because it just defeats the purpose of right you know, talking I, about I completely it. agree it's not worth doing that because you're robbing yourself the experience and then what you're going to be talking about in analyzing the film in discussing the film is not going to do the movie justice necessarily because yeah. you didn't see a proper version of it a presentable version of that movie so no i'm completely fine with us holding off on doing an episode on any of those movies until you have access to them and if people have a problem with that then just wait We'll, we'll get around yeah. to it eventually. It's going to happen, you know? And Godzilla Minus One, I, I've been wanting to watch that movie again, but it's nowhere. You know, they, they just did a Godzilla Minus Color version that's in black yeah. and white. They wanted to it do... It looks great, too. <laughs> yeah, they wanted to do a double dip, so now they're holding off on the streaming drop. And that type of movie is not a conventional movie, necessarily, even though it's been wildly successful. It's actually nominated for like 10 Japanese Academy Awards. It's got a Best yeah. Picture nomination. So, um, you know, they're they're going to hold off on doing that because keeping it in the theater generates money before the physical media drop. In Japan, they do buy physical media still. They buy CDs, they buy records, they buy Blu-rays. So when that happens, it's like, okay, here's the next rush. They're trying to have it make as much money as possible for what that budget was, and that's completely understandable. So it's going to be a little bit of time. Um, yeah. poor things. I, I, you know, I, I feel guilty here cause it's been on a lot of people's lists. I haven't seen poor things yet. I would like to, I'm very interested in it from everything I've heard that it's not the movie that I thought it was going to be apparently from many of the details that I've gotten from reviews and critics that I trust. So uh, I'm very intrigued by that. I might actually go see it at the theater tomorrow cause why not? We'll see. Yeah. Um, it's all right. Panos, yeah. right? Who's always interesting at no, 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 Yorgos. Is it not Panos? Oh, Yorgos, no. Latimos, right? No, yes. Panos Cosmatos. Yeah. Panos Cosmatos. Well, he's also very, also a very interesting director. Anyway, both of them. Yeah, very interesting Greek. in different ways. So yeah, he's he's another one overdue for a film. His contribution to the Guillermo del Toro anthology was the best thing 
that came out of that. I mean, he, he really takes his time, it seems like, when it comes to pursuing a project and bringing it into the world. Beyond the Black Rainbow and Mandy were six years apart. Now Mandy was, oh, geez, that was, that was a while now. That's it's been yeah, six years since Mandy, I think. Mandy was 2018. 18, yeah. So hopefully he's got something cooking. Hopefully that short film wasn't it for another 10 years or something. The, yeah. it, which, I mean, I, I've been thinking about rewatching that just because it's so eerie and weird. And I don't, I'm not a particular big fan of Eric Andre or the Asian lady that tried to me too David Cross that's in that, that short. Oh, yeah. Charlene Yi, that's yeah. her name. She said, oh, he, he slanted his eyes at me and said, Ching Chong. You know, haven't that's we all done funny. that every once yeah. in a while? Come on. Even I'm Asian and I do it. You all do the it time. A lot. That's I say good morning to my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. I think this is going to be split up into two episodes because we're pretty close to we're getting close to two and a half hours with this this show so we got two episodes wow. covered that's nice that's nice. solid all right um all right well that that's been um that's been the episode anything else anything you, you want to throw in at the very last minute uh no just uh look forward to us being able to record a poor things episode i guess which would be maybe not the next one but one of the next episodes we'll do and uh yeah, join the Patreon. Yes, join the Patreon. I already gave the plug for that. Patreon.com slash Lowrez. Join us in the Discord as well. I will have a link to that in the episode description if you'd like to join the conversation. We have a lot of people in there who are constantly talking about uh, you know things, analyzing Hans's facial expressions. I feel like at the end of every show, whenever it goes up on Patreon, someone posts, here are the Hans reactions from the episode. <laughs> and here's a little extra one of low res. You know, yeah. very rarely did they cover my expressions. It's always your expressions. <laughs> so I guess you're more emotive than I am. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that has been movies for the, this week. <clears throat> Excuse me. That has been movies for this week. Thank you for listening.